0: Today's episode is brought to you by the Western Extension Risk Management Education Center, USDA-NEFA, and the University of Hawaii College of Tropical Ag and Human Resources, and the Livestock Extension Group, as well as the University of Nebraska-Lincoln Center for Ag Profitability.
1: Aloha and welcome to the Livestock Bala'ao, a podcast aimed to provide educational support, information, guidance, and outreach to our livestock stakeholders in Hawaii. We are your hosts, Meli Oshiro and... Shannon Sand. And today we'll be talking with Dr. David Ripplinger with North Dakota State University. Mm-hmm. He's a bioengineer and bioproducts economics extension specialist. I feel like that's a mouthful and I, I understand a little bit more about what that is now, but we thank you so much um, for being here with us today. And uh, we had took a couple turns for us to get scheduled on here. Um, I'm glad to hear that things are in the weather, weather situations are a little bit better yes. where you're at. So thank you for being here today.
2: Happy yeah. to be here. Yeah, the the blizzard struck on the, the first day of filming, so we had to yeah. and come back. And then I'll let you know, the main reason I did that is because all five of my kids were at home that day. Oh my <laughs> and it was actually day three of the blizzard, so it could have it could have gotten crazy.
1: Yeah, yeah. It gets interesting, right, when you're on Zoom with your kids, because Mines always does that. He he likes to be able to see his head kind of pop in and out of the screen, you know? <laughs> so That's true. It makes for interesting video. But uh, yeah, so... Yeah, thank you again um for being here. I'm really glad I got to meet you at the um ERME conference and got talking because we've been really wanting to learn more um yeah. sort of about some of the things we're going to talk about with you today. But maybe if you want to just kind of share a little bit of your background and sort of your position there with um North Dakota State and with our listeners.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my my name's Dave. Uh, I have a majority appointment with NDSU extension. So My job is off-campus, as uh, Millie's and and Shannon's uh, are as well. Uh, My job is actually kind of unique. It was created by the state of North Dakota almost 20 years ago to work with farmers and industry uh, in the the bioenergy space, the bioproduct space, uh, which at the time was seeing a rapid build-out for corn ethanol and biodiesel. I've been in my position for about a decade, uh, and in that time, things have been a little bit quieter. But I've been involved in uh, a variety of projects related to carbon and climate uh, because greenhouse gas emissions are a big deal with biofuels, right. uh, and that's gotten really popular in the last three or four years especially, but you can, in, in many respects, I kind of think about it, I had about six or seven good years to study up, and, and now it's showtime. It's
0: <laughs> now it's go uh, time.
2: Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It's a, it's a lot of fun. Um, I also uh, have a research appointment, so I do related research. Again, I'm very uh, practically focused. Uh, A lot of what I do is kind of different than what other extension educators, agents, specialists do. I meet a lot in small groups, so I oftentimes have coffee uh, with two or three folks who are looking at project development, working in uh, biofuels or some sort of uh, egg value-added venture. Uh, and then the last two years, I've been extremely busy with uh, carbon and climate-related programming. And just just uh, to make it clear, so I am from—I am a native North Dakotan. Um, we are a major energy state uh, in terms of oil, gas, and coal, uh, and you know, relatively conservative in a lot of ways. Uh, but you know, I take a very practical um, position when it comes to climate education because it is important to all farmers and ranchers across the country. Uh, it, it's something that really can't be ignored, and you know, being able to effectively educate on the, this issue, carbon and climate, is really important. And my evidence that I've been successful in this, as I mentioned uh, in Chicago, yeah. is across dozens of presentations and, and hundreds, thousands of, of uh, participants, attendees. I've only had a couple of times where things went off the track because climate can be a sensitive issue. Yeah, uh, but, very but there's sensitive. a lot- <laughs> yeah, but That's there's a lot I of practical feel. things. There's a lot of practical things that 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 you know your viewers need to know. Uh and, and right now a lot of it might end up being a bit hip pocket, but there are changes in the pipeline for livestock producers, for uh those who produce cattle from from calves all the way to finishing and slaughter that are uh going to be increasingly affected by this. And so I'm I'm really excited to be able to to join you guys today.
0: Yeah, well, we're really excited to have you on, but I feel like I'm gonna be the one to ask a lot of really dumb questions because I was like, one, with your title and your background, you sound very smart and I've known you for a little while now, so I feel (laughs) confident in saying you're pretty smart. So, But I, when I hear like carbon and carbon sequestration, I'm gonna be honest, I, I very much feel like it's just goes over my head. And I'm like, what does it even mean in terms of like, for producers or just as an outreach type of, what does it mean? Because I was like, my family has like a farm and ranch and Mellie's family has operations. And it's just like, how how does that relate to to the operation
2: and to people in general? Yeah, it, it's a great question. It really gets to the core of it. I feel like and that then, was then, about a,
0: six questions. And
2: then I'll do my best to address it. We might have to come back a few no, times. No, that's fine. Uh, you know, really, there's there's a number of ways in which this is impacting producers and yeah. will impact producers. Uh, the 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 first most obvious one is certain practices uh, can capture uh, greenhouse gases, uh, carbon dioxide in the soil. That mm-hmm. can be crop production or livestock production. M- most attention's been given to to crop production to date, uh, and that's that that's I think that's properly weighted. But the livestock side of things is just as interesting, and it will be just as important once it fully matures. the The other opportunities really come, you know from reducing emissions. and again, this can this can come a couple of different ways and and how you know producers might view this. you know it I, and I think in general, what's happening is we're seeing incentives provided. And this could be via USDA, they just got 19.5 billion dollars uh for climate smart egg practices, which is being rolled out now. Uh, and, and many of those practices your producers uh may be considering there's now more money for that. Yeah. Uh and there's also these these carbon contracts that are out there, and they're they're just kind of creeping up for, for livestock right now. But the other the other side of it that nobody talks about uh is Every business, every individual has some sort of exposure to climate. And we all have what I'm going to call a climate liability. Uh, For example, if you have a cow-calf operation or you feed cattle, there are greenhouse gas emissions associated with that. Um, That's just a fact. That's what it is. Um, We produce a lot of beef, which is fantastic. And there's greenhouse gas associated with that. And I, I think a lot of producers should take note that over time, how they address those emissions could be advantageous or risky, uh, negative. And we're we're, we're going to see that come over time. I think in general, on balance, it's going to be a positive thing. But for everyone in agriculture, for everyone in general, to understand that you know we all have these liabilities, but right now they're not realized. We have these emissions, when and how will they be priced, when and how will this impact you directly uh and there's 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 in many respects there's no escaping it it's just exactly how and when will this come to farmers and ranchers in in any any part of the country
0: yeah
1: yeah that i I think that's some of the big questions that we get right is um so maybe we're going to take a step back now and talk a little bit about sort of what is those emissions where it comes from and sort of um, who are the main contributors, in a sense, right? And I think that's that's another—I I, want to say heated topic, but a hot topic, right? Mm-hmm. In talking about those contributions and where they come from, do, you, do is that something you you think you can touch a little bit on? Because I feel like that's kind mm-hmm. of where, too, in a sense, when we have these sort of um, opportunities from USDA for funding to support different um, opportunities in research or you know in your production to mitigate some of those emissions um we have to understand which are the big or who are the big contributors and whatnot in that sense. so yeah, I hope absolutely. that's a, a very uh, I don't know roundabout question, but
2: <laughs> no i I know exactly what you're getting at and, yeah. and as I, as I mentioned before, I mean one of the first things to realize is that agriculture is a major emitter of greenhouse gases. And that's totally okay because we feed the world.
0: That's what I was gonna say. People have exactly yeah,
2: right. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of people. A lot of people yeah. want to downplay it, and there there has been some really bad math that's been done that have overestimated our yeah. emission, but they are still sizable. Um, because and there's no other industry like agriculture where we work so much land that works so closely with the environment. Uh, so that aside. There are two really big sources of emissions in agriculture. You can start start on the crop side, and that's actually nitrous oxide. So we use a lot of nitrogen fertilizer mm-hmm. to, to feed plants, be it corn, soybeans, you name it. I don't know if you guys use a lot of nitrogen fertilizer for coffee, but it's it is you know it's it's a necessary food, and so. When we don't get that nitrogen into the plant, it can be released into the atmosphere as nitrous oxide, which is a very potent greenhouse gas. So that's by far the biggest. And then we can go straight to the, the, the cattle side of things and methane. And methane emissions are also significant. Uh, methane is also a very potent greenhouse gas. And so those are the two things we look at most closely in terms of emissions. But for both of those, there's stories about why they happen. And, you know, the one thing I would mention, too, to, to all the producers, farmers and or ranchers, generally, when you work to be profitable, knowing nothing about climate, you are doing things that reduce the emissions per unit of beef or per bushel of corn yeah. uh, that that occur again, because you don't waste fertilizer. It's a cost. Mm-hmm. You look for ways to put meat on efficiently. And mm-hmm. that. That is done to increase your profits or, or balance your your costs, and so you don't necessarily have to think about these things, but they are there. Uh, so those are those are the two big sources of agriculture. Both of them have a story. Uh, mm-hmm. The best way to deal with with nitrous oxide is just being an efficient, good user of fertilizer, which farmers and ranchers are. or Farmers are. Yeah. I mean, you don't. You don't. Well,
0: yeah, because it costs money to use it, and, like you yeah. said. Yeah. You're you're gonna like do whatever you can to maximize your profitability and your yield and not go beyond that. Exactly, diminishing returns.
2: Absolutely, <laughs> yep. And so it's built into the system. Yeah. And then on the methane side, th- there's interesting stories there, but that that same phenomenon exists. But as we put more and more weight on the animals as they go to slaughter, which has just been something we've been doing. Uh, for a few decades now. I was going to say,
0: it's been a discussion, I think, <clears throat> that's been more prevalent in the last few years about, you know, are they too big?
2: That's a whole other conversation. Sorry.
0: yeah. yeah. But it's, it's, Sorry. It's,
2: it's something in the industry, right? But yeah. if we have more yeah. meat on each animal, those, those per pound of beef emissions decline significantly. The other thing that's really interesting about methane is it actually degrades in the atmosphere really fast. And so we're actually, if you think ab- about the balance of things, yeah. we as agriculture own those emissions, for better or worse, but they're actually going down uh, oh, per 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 pound of beef and are flat and or going down in total. So we're actually, again, being more and more efficient without even knowing about it, trying it. Uh, yeah. That being said, it is something that, you know, I, I do think hip pocket, you know, farmers and ranchers should know about. Uh, and we'll see exactly how this plays out, you know, financially, uh, as, as as different programs, either government programs or private industry, things kind of come online. The other thing to think about too, in terms of beef and a lot of different livestock, you know, we feed various feed crops to them. So they end up owning some of those emissions too. So the, the nitrous oxide that comes when we produce corn, if that corn is then fed to cattle. The cattle also have ownership of that of of those emissions.
0: Oh, okay. So it's like a a cycle, basically, in terms of if you're thinking of livestock and how it's fed or whatever. Yep. So.
1: Very. Yeah, I I guess that was a comment I was going to say too was because, you know, you look at beef production now and almost in any livestock production, right? You you want yeah. to produce more off of less animals and that's kind of what we're doing in mm-hmm. a sense and over I should say that is what we're doing over years, right? Cuz you are we are producing more pounds of beef with less amount of animals compared to decades ago. So in a sense that is our producers becoming more efficient with their production management. And in in a sense, like you're saying, it just turns around to um, improve things on the other end as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I guess, yeah. So we talked about, well, I, I feel, I feel like whenever you start talking about like climate stuff and whatnot, it always lends back to cattle and just cattle in general, but I mean, other livestock um, production species and whatnot, also have an impact or is it, can you talk a little bit about that
2: yeah absolutely um so we we do tend to focus on cattle because of methane emissions and methane is very potent uh but we do know i mean basically anything that we do there are emissions associated with it and so that's why arguments to say that we have to eliminate all emissions are um they're kind of nonsense right you know we we have to do this we need to eat you know, how can so we? Yes, food is always good. Yeah, it is. and and I like to have it at least three times a day, right? So yeah. you know, please, please keep it coming. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but we, you know, we we have to we have to live with this, but we certainly know we have estimates, and and just so so your 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 viewers know there is a huge system of accounting that's been developed uh, over the last few decades that calculate the carbon footprint of pretty much everything, and. Wow. You know, for cattle producers in Nebraska or Hawaii or, or other parts Ooh, of the yeah. country, we do have estimates. They're really high-level esti- high, high level estimates, but we do that math. And so one of the important things to note, one is that's being done, and two, that is probably wrong, right? So any particular producer has their own specific numbers that we haven't calculated yet, mm-hmm. uh, but that is being done because a lot of people care. And those people who care might be the U.M., or the federal government or right. it might be Tyson or it might be General Mills and all of those parties uh can impact us in a variety of ways and you know we've talked a little bit about you know government programs that might exist to incentivize either reducing emissions or to capture carbon in the mm-hmm. soil we also know that that major cattle buyers like Tyson uh have already said you know they're actively engaged in this space yeah and and that then that does go all the way back to the the cow calf producer, and it will go back to the corn producer mm-hmm. because as if your customer cares about greenhouse gas emissions enough to 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 determine where they're going to buy from, it yeah. does impact you, and yeah. so we we know that. And, and Tyson has said we have to do this to ensure that we can get financing. We have we want to do this because we think that our our customers value it, and um, that's somewhat debatable. But we do know just again from that practical standpoint, if Tyson who ends up buying, you know, what proportion of, of beef in this country, right? I mean it, it, uh, cattle, it's a lot, right? A lot. So as, I don't as, know as what it go, is, but it's just a lot. So yeah. yeah, as they go down that path, it does matter. Yeah. And yeah. so just to keep that in mind, you know, you know, Tyson has said we care. So if you yeah, if you provide feed to Tyson. The carbon footprint matters. If you provide livestock to Tyson, that carbon footprint matters. Yeah. Uh, and right now, it might not matter much, but every year, every day, we're moving forward into this, this, this place where we have to consider what we're doing uh, in terms of emissions. And again, that might be something as simple as saying, these are the practices that we use to grow or, or you know to raise our livestock.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Or it might be Tyson saying, you have to do these things. Uh, but we'll, we'll see exactly how that comes about. But I, I again, my goal in general for, for most people is just to understand that this is happening right. and then to be ready in, in coming months and years uh, so you don't have to act surprised. So you'll know.
0: OK, I'm going to ask what may be a dumb question and probably is like further back. But like I hear a lot with, again, carbon sequestration and carbon credits. I'm going to be honest, what exactly do those things mean? Because I have no idea.
2: Yeah. So, yeah, so I I
0: still have no idea.
2: Yep. Yep. And so the the carbon credits, and there's been a lot of discussion about this in the last year or so, you know, especially on the crop production side. Uh, So there are folks who are interested in reducing their emissions. These are large corporations and they can do that. Uh, within their own business or with their either their customers or their suppliers, Mm -hmm. or if it's easier to do, they might go somewhere else in the economy and pay someone who will reduce emissions or capture carbon. And since those, those businesses, and it could be a farmer or or a ranch, Mm -hmm. since they offset those emissions of say Walt Disney corporation, they're they're called carbon offsets. But anyways, different companies have and are paying for Uh, agricultural producers for others to change their practices. Hmm. Uh, The the actual effect of of those practices is typically estimated. We don't necessarily measure them really closely, Mm -hmm. but we're already seeing, you know, relatively significant amount of funds flow from those buyers to a variety of suppliers. And again, there's a menu of different practices. Okay. Uh, There's a, you know, and that is mapped to how much carbon is either, Uh, Captured in the soil, or that isn't emitted, and that will drive the payment that a farmer or rancher would receive.
0: Nice, because I guess in my head, when you're talking about this, I don't think of Disney, but I think of like when people do NRCS plans and stuff. I know it's not the same, but I'm like in my head, maybe some of these things are already practices they're headed towards, anyways. So
2: Mm -hmm. yeah, and and there really is there is overlap. Yeah, Uh, and what's interesting, so you know, an NRCS does their math. They they you know, historically looked at a variety of environmental things, but not climate. In August, with the extra almost $20 billion, the, you know, Congress and the president said, okay, you need to add climate to the list. And they're doing it within their existing programs. And so they're essentially saying, okay, these are programs that we have science that says they reduce emissions or they capture carbon. Uh And so they'll now pay, they have more money available for those, Particularly use it, so that's a government side of things, and in general, you you can double dip. So you might, you know,
0: going to ask, <laughs> yeah, no,
2: and it's called stackability. So a producer who uh, might do something like like mob graze, or someone who might yeah. uh, reduce their tillage, they might be able to get a payment from NRCS, and they might be able to get a payment as well from this carbon offset market. And essentially stack those those payments.
1: Those carbon offset markets are are run by usually through government agencies or I was going to ask,
0: I was like, is it a real I hate to say it a real market or is it like several years ago, like they're attempting to establish the market type of thing, you know.
2: Yeah. So that's a, that's a great question. So the, the carbon credit markets that we talk about, there's really two types. There's a regulatory market, if it's government policy that creates it, or there's voluntary markets, if there's folks like Disney Corporation or Microsoft who are buying. The The mechanics of the voluntary market, which is, for the most part, bigger in agriculture, yeah. those rules are being established by... By individual corporations in, wow. in, in in tandem with one another, and it's really it it you know we use the term market or markets and that's really what it is, but it's not it's not formal and established and mature. A lot of these transactions are almost one-offs. So mm-hmm. you know we have farmers in North Dakota who have a conversation with a large agricultural company and they make a deal. So they sign a contract, and that's a trade. But the price that they received and the practice that they have and all those details of the contract are really unique. And so today, that's really what we're seeing dominate is a variety of transactions, a variety of players, a bunch of different rules. I mean, some general some general consensus in we're talking about a metric ton of CO2. Yeah, but. There are all of these markets, all of these trades, the prices in any given transaction might be really different. And so we're really years away from saying, okay, the price of carbon is $100. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I I might be getting
2: $20 and my neighbor might have the same practice to be getting 50. My practice might be tweaked a little bit, or you could have someone doing something completely different. But what we're all doing is creating these carbon credits so it's it's a in many respects what's being done too is we're we're all trying to create this system that over time is going to grow tremendously in size Mm -hmm. so last year you know we had less than a hundred million dollars in uh carbon contracts in agriculture and the expectation is by as soon as 2030 there might be 50 billion dollars annually in, wow. in carbon offset credit. So you're talking about a growth of 500 fold. Yeah. A lot of money. Yeah. And that's what I was
0: going to say. I was like, that's a lot of potential uptick depending on the person and the opportunity and stuff. But
2: yeah, it but really is. And, and
0: with the private industry, if they're each requesting something different, mm-hmm. how much is that costing me as a producer to do that?
2: <laughs> that's what I'm like. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll see exactly how... All of that changes over the next yeah. five to 10 years, because in, in general, we're really doing is kind of, we're kind of feeling our, our way. We're trying to figure things out uh, and we really don't know exactly where things are going to go. But by 2030, if certain regulatory decisions are made by the government, yeah. uh, if there's a huge change in consumer demand,
0: yeah,
2: a lot of these corporations want to be ready. They want to be ready to say, okay, we last year we bought twenty million dollars worth of credits. This year we need to buy five hundred million. 500. And if the system isn't at least somewhat started, they're not going to get anywhere. Yeah. But again, that's that's what they're trying to do. But the the rules, the contracts, uh, all of that is is really kind of in its early stages. And we see this too, yeah. where the terms can change from week to week as especially the companies looking for these are trying to find the best way to work with farmers and ranchers. Right. Ultimately, it would be fantastic. You know, you know, 10 years from now. We have this list of practices. We have these really, really solid estimates of the impacts in terms of emissions. We have a single price per ton of carbon. Right now, we're a long ways away from that. Mm -hmm. But right now, not, most of
1: these contracts are privately written then essentially between farmers and um other other industry folks, okay, yeah, that's
2: exactly right. and and so it's it's tough because again, when when you 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 could use the definition of a market to say we're talking about a single commodity, right? Yeah, talking about, yeah, you know, calves at this weight in this place at this time, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. That
2: that would be a market now we're talking about metric tons of co2 and the 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 terms are all over the place so really in many respects each one of those transactions are for different products at different prices and they're in some respects different markets and so we've got we we hopefully we get to this place where everything matures and we have a single market
0: yeah some unification of it is what it sounds like hopefully it heads towards in the next few years so
1: well, I, I definitely feel like it's a little clearer for me now <laughs> because Shannon and I have had, always had these questions and we, no, we just didn't really, know really where to search for the answers. And, um, yeah. but that makes sense, you know, cause it does, it's, it's something that's in development. I feel like, um, a lot of questions we get, uh, or, you know, get here from Hawaiian producers is, you know, they don't see that market coming here, um, you know, because of our Production practices, um, I should say, because we're small. You know, we're smaller industry here compared to nationwide. Um, what do you, What's your thoughts on on things like that for some of the producers that are sort of like our state is a lot smaller in production. What's your thoughts on on carbon markets and how those
2: yeah. types of things?
1: For are smaller producers us here.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. No, I, I, that's that's a great question, and, and and I just go back to you. It it is impacting everybody, and it will impact. Everyone even more as time goes on. Uh, so North Dakota, we have a, actually have a really small beef cattle industry. You do a lot of cow calf, and even even with that type of practice and the limited numbers that we have, mm-hmm. there are opportunities today to enter into carbon contracts. Uh, and it's going; it's only going to continue to grow. And we could certainly reach a point where, even even if you know your cattle producers don't market to a Tyson, they're still likely going to have some sort of oversight. It could be the government saying, you know, do it this way or we'll provide you payments for doing it that way. And I would really say that I I can't even think of anybody who'd be able to escape that geography matters the tiniest bit. Right. Uh, But in general, you know, you're, you're part of this bigger market. And even if it, there was a case where it didn't directly affect uh, a producer in Hawaii. It's still affecting the global price. Right. Right. And, right. and I and I would say it, I, I think it would be exceptional in, 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 in five or 10 years to find a, a producer uh, anywhere in the United States who isn't impacted by this. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, and my expectation is it'll be, a, it'll be a positive thing. It'll be a good thing. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you'll be able to, get a higher payment for doing things a certain way. And the other thing I, I, I'd recommend to everybody, one, first of all, recognize you have a liability. Two is you might have a really neat story uh, that that gives your cattle a marketing advantage. And, you know, we're talking about climate, we're talking about carbon, and that that could be it, right? I mean, there could be things that you do in central or Western Nebraska or on yeah. the Big Island where holy smokes, you know, our emissions are different or better. And that's that's a marketable trait. That's something where you can capture value. And that's something I think we're going to appreciate more and more. Or, you know, there could be research done at one of our uni- universities where it says, hey, this practice uh, works really well. It reduces costs and it helps the environment. And 30 years from now, that'll be what everybody does. Yeah. And you won't even think about it. You'll remember, oh yeah, I remember when I was a kid, we did it this way. Like all, all the little kids out there who who, who, <laughs> who folks are in this business, you know, they're they're gonna be looking back and say, yeah, we do it this way now, too. I mean, what they did before made sense, but now we do it this way and it's better. And so a lot of that research and learning is gonna be uh exciting. Yeah, yeah. and a lot of it again is not necessarily gonna be detrimental in any way, mm-hmm. but it might provide that advantage. And and I I think that as universities and industry kind of figure this out, you know, we're going to see significant investment in those types of innovations, and that'll be really exciting. And it can give almost any cattle producer a unique market niche where you can say, okay, first, you know, my cattle are produced here, and I do this really neat thing, and Some buyer might be out there saying that is exactly what I want looking for. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, 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 you know, case in point, I was talking to uh, uh, an agribusiness owner and they happened to be purchased by a large uh, hedge fund because they had just a little neat part of their story. And that made them very, very valuable. And so they had no intention of being purchased by anybody. But someone came to the table and said, we will pay. Wow. And I, I don't think that folks are necessarily going to come and get into the cattle business, but they might find your producers and that story, and it might be a mm-hmm. smaller carbon footprint or something completely different. Mm-hmm. And again, that will provide uh, possibly a source of revenue, but may you know ensure that we we remain a viable industry, right? And so that to me is is really really exciting. It's kind of this crossroads of climate and carbon and universities and producers. And I, I don't know exactly how fast it's going to go or in which way, but I just know that when when there are folks who are possibly going to spend up to $50 billion for things like that, we will learn. We will do things differently.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of incentive for anybody. So, you know, even if you're yeah. only getting like a small percentage of a small percentage, that's a lot of money.
2: It really in is. In my
0: mind, you know. Yeah, yeah it's yeah.
2: really exciting and, and the 20 billion dollars again if you if you start at that 100 million last year yeah and then you think the federal government just put in 20 billion and then yeah billion dollars that's still that's still a lot of money even with inflation it's a that's money. a lot of money right yeah and that's yeah. over the course of four years and then it might be 50 billion it wouldn't just be agriculture but egg would have a huge piece of that every year is yeah it, it it's significant and mm-hmm. We and again it's it's a lot of money but we don't know exactly how it's going to be rolled out how much of that is going to go to a corn producer in Iowa or Nebraska how much is going right. to go to a livestock producer a in producer. Nebraska
0: or Hawaii or wherever mm-hmm. Colorado mm-hmm. or whatever yeah mm-hmm. that's so interesting though i d- i d- just i would think that the opportunity for this and learning more about it to me is just very interesting cuz i feel like I know you've been at this job for a while, but like, it feels like it's like at the very forefront where it's really starting to sort of pick up steam. So, cause I was like, I remember when we met a while ago, let's say a few years ago at this point, but I was like, I kind of, I did not have any clue in our understanding of what you are doing at the time, but this, like just where we're at in the world right now, I'm like, Oh, this makes a lot of sense. I was like, and again, based on, what I would assume is consumer demand and things like that pushing a lot of this forward. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's, it yeah. seems like a, a really interesting area.
2: Yeah, no, it's, it's a lot of fun and, you know, things went from being kind of quiet to very busy uh, and, and that's enjoyable. And again, it, 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 it is coming. Now the federal government has basically said we are a major player in this, you know, $20 billion, major player farm bill coming up. Who knows exactly what's going to be in it, but they're going to solidify that. Uh, Mm -hmm. The activities to date in those those by those private companies, really significant and where it could go uh, relatively quickly uh, is really exciting. But again, I I do look at, you know, the the term climate smart agriculture, which is now kind of a buzzword. That's that's what the federal government sees. You know, they see Mm -hmm. these. Benefits that we can get from production agriculture, and you know they've been they they put more than just that twenty billion dollars into it today, yeah. and then we at universities have to do more research to say hey how can we yeah how can we take advantage of this how can we help our
0: mm-hmm.
2: cattle industries our in our state cows. or crop yeah. production in our state how can exactly. we help them you know be successful as this environment changes
0: yeah,
1: yeah exactly seeing those connections and the research and whatnot develop is very interesting. You, you start to see these smaller projects come out and headlines and Shannon and I just kept going, okay, what are they doing here? You know, so it's, it's good to be able to um, talk with you and kind of understand, you know, yeah. where, where this is all coming from and um, how we can understand it better. And um, even for our producers, cause you know, we always feel like sometimes we're we are a smaller industry here, you know um, in the islands and we are disconnected sometimes <laughs> from, you know, from the mainland States that we feel like some of this does, you know, how do we use it here, right? And how does it apply to us? That's always what um, we want to know. And I always, you know, never really, you know, in the past, you know, I've, I've been with Extension over 10 years now, but, yeah. um, you know, growing up and stuff, I never really thought about the connections um, from the States, you know, we always just really processed a lot more local products and beef here. Um, now that we ship off so much, per 80% of our our calf herd, you know, and uh, wieners that go off to the state. Those kinds of things and these types of projects are, I should say, even the, the these carbon markets are probably going to be something I, I should say. We, we know it's going to be something that's going to impact um, those types of um, markets and the industry on that end of for for us, you know, where folks are either retaining those ownership of those animals or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure that those are all going to it's all going to play a part in that. So,
2: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah I know. mean, it, it's exciting. And I, I think one of the challenges, you know, you know, I'm, I'm happy to chat anytime. Um <laughs> But there is a lot going on and I, I think one of the challenges is for everybody to remain up to speed again like the benefit of my position which, which is very unique with ex, with an extension national. Yeah, yeah I, I think have... you're the
0: only one I know that has that position mm-hmm. within no. extension out of the many universities at this point I can say that I've yeah. I,
2: there, I have I have one colleague at the University of Wisconsin Extension who's close who, who has a who, who is very close and actually and he he does a little bit of dairy stuff too yeah, um, but yeah, outside of that, and 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 so it's it's exciting. But you have to think too. I mean, I spend most of my day immersed in this. Yeah, and every day I learn something new. Hopefully, it's news to everybody, but sometimes it's not. And I, I think one of the challenges that we face going forward is just staying up to speed um, because things are developing so quickly. Uh, and so, I mean, I would I would definitely you know encourage you know you and the the viewers and your producers. You know, just to just to keep their their eyes open and their their ears ready to hear something that might be happening. And again, is this a, a buyer on the mainland? Is it uh you know, a processor uh in Nebraska? Who yeah. knows exactly what's going to come about? But you're gonna get hit mm-hmm. from a number of angles. Um, and I don't know exactly when you will get that piece of information that will be a valuable. That Mm -hmm. actionable thing that says, oh, wow, I really need to sit down and think about adopting this new practice. Or I really need to think about a way to document what I've been doing because there are customers who will pay. But all of that is coming to a head really quick. And, you know, we'll get to a point where this is part of the mainstream. This is part of what we do, you know, in in North Dakota, we follow weather in South America because it affects us. Well,
0: yes, yeah, I our, our cow producer, producers, will be, been, yeah, yeah
2: but they will be getting on the radio or in whatever news they follow. Okay, here's some things that are happening yeah. in this carbon space, and we'll have uh, buyers who are who are up to speed who can tell yeah. that story. We'll have extension who it is 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 there also with information and resources. But it's going to take just a little while.
0: Are there some good like websites or places to go to for people that really do kind of want to like keep up to speed or like get yeah. updates or like, is there, I feel like, is there like an email news list that I could sign up for? I, I would have wondered yeah. if other people were thinking the same thing where they could, you know, keep up to date with what's happening mm-hmm. with some of
2: this. Yeah. I mean, right now, unfortunately, there really isn't. Yeah. Uh, I I would expect that over time, that will, that will emerge. And again, it's because there's so many different players doing their own thing. Okay. And even, even within the university system, you know, even those of us who work at it, you know, the, we, we haven't gotten to the point too, where it's like, okay, we need to have a person who does this full-time all the time, because I, I, this is part of my space, but I also do a bunch of other stuff too. I know. So. It's the, you know, who's going to own this and who's going to push it? And maybe it will be, yeah. you know, maybe it'll be private industry, maybe it'll be some egg journalists who say, yeah, we do want to curate all of this carbon yeah. news. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you'll have a single person who realizes, gosh, I could be the beef cattle climate person and 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 be there, you know, for all of the industry across the country. You know, I, I had the opportunity to speak last October. Uh, to a group of uh feed ingredient suppliers and again they would you know feed for a variety of livestock really intelligent folks you know middle managers and higher mm-hmm. from all over the country most of them had no clue no clue including folks who sell significant amounts of feed to Tyson wow. you know, that news <laughs> about their customer probably their major customer you know was not on their radar and oh. Those types of things matter. But, you know, I think we'll hopefully get to that place. And I do know, too, that as the federal government builds out their presence and they're doing that with with the funding, they're going to do that with the new farm bill. You know, that might help us address some of those things. I mean, one of the things NRCS has said is we need to find out a way to provide this technical assistance to producers. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly right. It's like and I I sit there and I go, yes, that's, you know, extension can can be part of that. Mm-hmm. But it's it's in addition to all the other great stuff that we do, right? So we'll <laughs> know, gonna say, one more out. thing. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Well,
2: yeah, and that's exactly and that's exactly it. And I'd even mention, you know, I've been in my position for over a decade. Yeah. There was a reason why up until the last two, three years, I didn't really talk about carbon and climate because cattle producers, farmers had more than enough stuff to think about, right? Yeah. Things that were more important, more urgent, and now we've gotten to the point where. Having just that basic understanding, kind of that, that kind of climate literacy is mm-hmm. helpful, but I also know that there's other things going on. So it's not as if we all yeah. need to spend all day, every day learning about this, but just to understand that this is real, it impacts us, and it will become increasingly important in the future is really, really important. Uh, and I, and I, I, the last thing I want is for people to be surprised or not ready. When certain opportunities come around at the same time, two years ago, it it simply was not a priority, you know, and and now we've reached that, that, that time where just a basic understanding, I, I think everybody in agriculture should have.
0: Yeah, 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 I think that makes total sense. And I was like, to be honest, I was like, I've heard people speak about like carbon and carbon sequestration and sequestration, excuse me, and credits before. But I was like, I feel like this is the first time I kind of have an actual base understanding. And I'm sure we're just at the very like tippy top of the iceberg for a lot of this. So, you know, I just, I was like, I, I feel like a little bit like there's a light bulb that went off. I don't know about you, Malay.
1: So, yeah, no, I agree. Yeah it, yeah. it it has made things a little clearer for us to understand and, you know, and it also put, you know, information out there for our producers of, you know, when they ask the questions, they don't feel like, you know, it's something that maybe we need to focus on, but maybe it is yeah. something that we need to keep in the back of our minds um to be thinking about and just, you know, when we hear those topics come up, um, pay a little bit closer attention to probably the information that's being shared or maybe even information that comes down our way, um, we should be sharing. Um, And not
0: always think that, you know, we it's important here in Hawaii, too. So stay up to date. I think it's important everywhere. Because I agree with David, It's especially with the amount of money the government is putting into the program. And also, again, I would just say, I don't know, I haven't seen any actual surveys, but based on just watching TV and stuff, it certainly seems like there's like a push from consumers and stuff towards that sort of, you know. yeah. Sort of a market, I guess. I'm probably not putting that very correctly, y'all.
2: But yeah. but you know, I I think it's it, it's it's right. Yeah. And it might be con- coming from consumers, and it might not. But we know that there are very very yeah. successful, very very powerful corporations, not yeah. even involved in agriculture, who take climate seriously. Mm-hmm. And and because they're willing to spend money for us to to change our practices. Yeah. That to me is a signal enough and again, one of the yeah. things in conversations, you know climate science you know there there's consensus around it, but it really doesn't matter you know if there's if the government comes and regulates you, their reasoning really isn't important that regulation still stands, yeah, if a customer comes and they like something about your product and they're willing to pay for it, you know, correct or not mm-hmm. their their money is real money, and so that's that's the one thing, just that practical nature of this. Makes it such that you really can't ignore it, uh, and, and and all of these these corporations, they they're they're very large, they're very advanced, they have a pulse on what's going on. I was going to they- say,
0: I would assume these big corporations have the have the the studies and the numbers to back up with what they're spending their money on, because mm-hmm. my yep. experience with large corporations and stuff, and mm-hmm. and the big mouse or whatever is that like they don't do it unless you know. Mm-hmm there are numbers to back up what they're spending their money on. Cause like, you know, they're thinking long-term in a lot of ways. So absolutely. it doesn't always seem that way, but they are.
2: Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I think that a, a lot of, a, a lot of people miss that, that this is part and parcel of modern corporate thought, you know, how do we deal with climate and even for them, if climate impacts them or not if the regulators come and say this matters it matters mm-hmm. if Wall Street says we won't give you financing unless you do these things it matters it matters yeah and yeah. And, that, and, that, and that just says says nothing of if these climate risks are real there are all sorts of businesses all over the world who have exposure you know if if extreme weather events you know increase in number if sea level rises that matters to Walt Disney right you know, those types of things in
0: Florida. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's a really big
2: deal. And so we'll, we'll, we'll see how it all plays out. But Mm -hmm. the, 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 the fact of the matter is these things are, and will continue to impact production agriculture. And so we, you have to stay attuned Mm
0: -hmm.
2: uh, because, you know, it's going to affect you one way or another. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what your personal preferences are. Yeah you know if someone is going to come or if the uh regulator is going to come you know we all need to be ready and i that all being said i'm I'm generally uh almost entirely the opinion this is a net positive for agriculture and we saw that with the 20 billion dollars we see that with folks coming to farmers they're coming with with carrots and not with sticks Mm -hmm. that's always nice yeah. yeah and the one thing i'd say too about cattle i mean the cattle side is really interesting it's 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 younger. It's about three or four years behind. There's some good science that support these different practices. But a lot of the work to date has been on crop production. Mm. But that's just because these things take time. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the the ways in which we raise livestock in this country are going to change. And again, that doesn't mean that anyone necessarily has to change at all. But as we understand this more as, you know, money comes to the table. People will respond. And, it, and to me, that's mm-hmm. really exciting. But it, the, the the cattle stuff might take an, an, you know, another five or 10 years before it really takes hold. And who knows exactly when that might uh be your producer mm-hmm. who's sitting there at the table with that contract saying, okay, I, you know, I'll accept these 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 mm-hmm. payments for yeah. doing something new. And the one thing I did go back to you, Shannon you made the comment about the size of these funds. It's significant. I mean there are farmers who sign contracts and they, you know, that day they get a check for $100,000 or more. I mean these are not these are not necessarily small payments. If you're a smaller producer, yes it does scale, but certain practices are really really advantageous. And if you have those, uh that that's a value and will probably be of increasing value in the future. Yeah. Well,
0: yeah, that makes sense cuz we're all still going to drive vehicles for especially yes. in the u.s yeah <laughs> and we're still gonna we're large. still gonna
2: eat food right yeah there, there's exactly. there's no way all those things yeah so. there's no way we're not eating beef in my household right you tell me if that's i have to pay more maybe i will but we're still gonna eat it yeah and so i was gonna is-
0: say I, we were just talking about prime rib dinners the other day and i was like yeah, yeah. that's like my favorite so, yeah yeah, yeah but,
2: absolutely yeah we're, we're limited to, to uh whatever whatever ribeye steaks we get off our, our, our half. our nice beef, but yeah i'm sure it, it's it,
0: really good north Dakota beef though so well
2: it's my in-laws so it's, oh, it's family no. stuff so i wouldn't i would never dare say <laughs> anything negative
1: it's always good no, it's it always <laughs> good it's always great it's
0: always
1: yeah good. yeah oh uh, well thank you um david that's... i think that that does make things a lot clearer i feel like that's a good information for me i understand yeah. um a little bit more about the carbon markets and all those credits and different terms. Yeah, well, that we were really kind of questioning. Yeah. yeah. So um, and I know that there's way more to your position than just the carbon aspect of things, because in extension, that's just how it goes. You wear hats to many different things. Um, So I'm sure at some point we'll probably get you back to talk more and maybe give us an update about things and what's going on. But is there anything else you want to share with us, um, either about your projects that your current projects or research that you're doing or anything else? Um.
2: Not really. I would just say that now that our weather in North Dakota is nice, I'm not quite as jealous of, of living in the islands or even or even Nebraska. I
0: was gonna say yeah. we're still nicer than you were last week. So. Oh, very <laughs> it much. Was so. In like the 80s, that was hot. And I was like, oh yeah. god.
2: Yeah, we're we're gonna have our our two months of nice weather here shortly. So
1: yes, yeah. That's did true. you say two months I mean. of nice weather? Is that what it yeah.
2: is? That's what oh, we gosh. hope for.
1: <sighs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was pretty excited when you saw a little bit of snow in Chicago, and I got really excited. And Shannon told me, Melee, that's just spit. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to me, it's white and it's coming down from the sky. So it's But we snow. did actually get
0: fluffy snow <laughs> a little bit at one point. A yeah. Bit. yeah. So,
1: well, thanks again, um, David, amazing. for joining us today. I really appreciate you taking time to come and share and talk with us about some cattle and uh, carbon here so we mm-hmm. can share that information with our producers here in
0: the state. Yes, thank you for joining us. So uh, we, we do hope our listeners found this informative and that it will be useful to them. Also, if you have not already done so, please be sure to fill out our feedback fest, which will be listed below to let us know your thoughts about this podcast and what you want to learn more about in the future.
1: Yeah, make sure to follow us on our social media pages, the Livestock Vala Owl and Livestock Extension Group, if you haven't already. And be sure to visit the UHC Tar Extension website and our YouTube channel, which will also be listed in our show notes.
0: Yes, and for additional information about this topic, see the show notes of the podcast and the description box of the YouTube page. Thanks for listening to the Livestock Val. But before we go, show some love for your favorite podcast, that's us, by the way, by leaving us a <laughs> review anywhere you listen to this, and then stay tuned for next month's episode. Yes, thanks
1: again to our sponsors, the Western Extension Risk Management Education Center, USDA NIFA, the Livestock Extension Group, and CTAR, and the University of Nebraska Lincoln Center for Ag Profitability. Thanks again for listening to the Livestock Follow-Out, and thank you again, David, for joining us. Ahoy-ho. Ahoy-ho.
0: Bye. Bye.